Hello, everyone. Welcome to Queerly Recommended, the podcast where we recommend queer films, books, TV shows, and more. I'm Chris Bryant, a contemporary romance writer for Bold Strokes Books, and I will be recommending a TV show. And I'm Tara Scott. I review queer women's fiction at the Lesbian Review and Smart Bitches Trashy Books. And today I am recommending a super adorable gay romantic comedy. If you would like to support the show, you can contribute to our coffee. Coffee is a site that lets you support your favorite content creators, including us. Uh, so if you are interested, there's a link in the show notes or you can visit coffee.com slash queerly recommended. So Chris, I hear you're going somewhere pretty cool. Actually, by the time this, when is it? Is it next weekend? So that by the time it, this yeah. airs. Okay. So you'll be just getting home. You'll be right. exhausted. I will be. We're, I'm going to Calexicon. Yeah, Out in Anaheim, California. So mm. I'm very excited about that. It is very much, it's based on the show, The 100, where mm-hmm. Lexa and Clark were shipped. And I know I've talked about Klexicon before. I went in 2019. It was fantastic. Mm-hmm. It was a, such a, an amazing experience because a lot of the shows and a lot of the actors that I really enjoy were there at Klexicon. Mm-hmm. You know, and it changes every year. It changes, you know, whatever queer uh, show or movie is out or even a soap opera. They have soap opera stars this year. Seriously? That's Seriously, so fun. Yes. So, so I'm pretty excited to, uh, I saw the lineup. I mean, unfortunately, there aren't any Winona Earp characters. Uh, I know, I'm sad about that. But they do have First Kill, the characters from First Kill. Oh, which, nice. Yeah, which I'm excited. And I'm hoping that, I'm on a panel. And get this, you're not going to believe this. Okay. I'm on a panel at 9 a.m. Sunday morning. Who, who does that? But who everybody's that? going to be hungover. Right, me too. Like, why have it at nine? Nobody's going to be there. It's going to be nine in the morning on a Sunday. People are just getting in at five. Well, I like to think that that means that there's a little bit less pressure for you because there is that. There will be a a bit fewer people. So first kill is an interesting one because it started as a short story by V.E. Schwab. If I say this really slowly, I can try to remember. Fast. <laughs> what was the fucking vampire lesbian? Helps if you spell lesbian right. Right. Lesbian vampire <laughs> short story collection. It's going to bring up the Bold Strokes books one, probably. Because Bold Strokes has a lesbian vampire collection, doesn't it? I know that there are a lot of lesbian writers that write about vampires. Hmm. I'm watching you. I know. So this is where it's like, I'm trying to do, it's like, what is the shortcut in my brain that will get me to the thing that I want? So I co-reviewed this short story collection. It might not all be lesbian, actually, but it is a vampire short story collection. And a lot of the stories in there are queer. Nice. It was actually a really great collection of uh, vampire short stories. Like I said, a bunch of them were queer. This one definitely was. And it was one of the, you know how with anthologies... Sometimes you get like two great stories and then a bunch of like eh stories right. and then like yeah. two horrifically bad stories. It's not like that. This was generally speaking, they were all like solid or it ranged from like solid to awesome. Oh, nice. It was a, it was quite a good collection. And I remember loving that one because it was like 
one of us is a vampire and one of us is a vampire hunter and neither one knows that about each other when they start making out. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Did you like this show? Because I I have to admit, I didn't make it very far in the TV show mostly because I was like, I don't really care to watch shows with teenagers making out with each other because I am an old now. I'm very old. (laughs) And you have children that are on the cusp of adolescence. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, yes, my, well, my, my 10 year old is not ready to start making out with anybody yet, but is just about as tall as me. And, and therefore it's like kind of turning into a case where it's like, Oh no, this does feel around the corner. So yeah, yeah, you're right. That's a great point. But did you like it? I liked it. I liked the concept of it. I thought the the actresses were just spot on. I enjoyed mm-hmm. it. I really did. And then, you know, after Klexicon announced the lineup and, um, and it was growing, you know, they would get people mm-hmm. to come on. And then all of a sudden, Netflix axed it. Done. Did they ever give any kind of an explanation no. for that? You know, I don't know if they did or not. I'm just going to go with no because I want to stay angry at them because, you know, I'm getting really tired of all the queer shows getting canceled. Amazon mm-hmm. canceled the wilds. Was that one good? I liked the first season. I liked yeah. the first season. It wasn't something I would, it wasn't an official recommendation because again, mm-hmm. it was, you know, teenagers making out. And I love that that queer queerness is, is available, readily available for people. Yes. But there's so much of it now, which is great. But I kind of want to see queer stuff that's, you know, a little bit older, too. And that's why I, I had my recommendation last time with Neil mm-hmm. Patrick Harris and Uncoupled yes. because people our age. So that was nice. But, uh, yeah, The Wilds is a teen- teenager as well as First Kill. Mm. So Okay. Okay. Yeah, it feels like we're in a bit of a weird place with queer TV shows mm-hmm. in particular because I feel like film really hasn't um it hasn't gotten to the same level of representation as as we've seen in tv like there's been a lot more in tv than there has been in film and in film there's still a lot of like oh we're gonna be sad historical lesbians (laughs) together (laughs) until something tragic happens to one or both of us or we'll give you an ambiguous ending but we're still seeing the kill your gaze trend still happens. Like we saw that with killing Eve when the internet exploded. It was very much like a, how is this still happening? Right. Like, especially knowing it was so, it was really odd seeing some of the promo that Sandra O and J what's her name? Jodie Comer. Jodie Comer. Yeah. Yeah. Seeing some of the promo that Sandra O and Jodie Comer were doing where it felt Almost like they they couldn't directly address it, but saying like, and we hope the fans will be okay. Like they knew they, they knew, knew there'd the be backlash was gonna be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They knew it's that horrible. fans would be super upset. And like that was awful. We you and I were talking about this a little bit before we started recording. And t- to me, I just see that line that goes back. And it for sure it goes before this, but like for me, the really big moment that stood out with the with the barrier gaze trope was with Willow and Tara right. from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Because I remember watching that the first time. And I mean, the funny thing is I didn't know I was queer at the time, but you know, I was watching it, and I was like, why does this Tara character suck so much? Like she just seemed kind of 
boring and dull and kind of stupid sometimes. And then she started to get cool, especially when Willow and Tara were taken care of because they took care of Dawn for a while, right? Yeah, I think. I think so. Yeah, so like it's been a while. They're like Dawn's lesbian moms, and they get to be like, she gets to be really cool, and then like. Hey, guess what, everybody? You love her. We finally put Amber Benson in the title credits. And oh, shit. She's murdered. And it was just like, (laughs) it was such a shock. And I get that at the time it would be like highly provocative. But now looking back, especially that there's been so many shows, it's like, did you really do that just so that we could get Evil Willow? Like, again, to me... It's very much the same as any other piece of media where a woman is killed to motivate the protagonist. Yeah. Whether, well, whether it's killed or raped or whatever, but it's like, except in this case, it's Willow and we're going to make her evil. And it's like, what? And so for this to continue happening this year with Killing Eve and then shows are being canceled so quickly, like what is happening? What What is happening with our media? I don't know. And like- but, but, uh, did you ever see? I think we talked about this. I took a muscle relaxer before we started this, so I'm a little <laughs> loopy. So I'm not quite sure. Did we talk about uh-huh. Lightyear and the queer rep in there? I think we talked about it. Maybe last. Did we talk about it? I don't think so. Yeah. So they have a queer family in in Buzz or in Lightyear, I guess. Do not. they really? Yes. Aww. Yes. Yes. And so there was an That's uproar, lovely. of course, you know, because, oh, my yes. God, it's it's a kid's movie and they have gay people. Oh. But you know what? It really isn't. It really isn't a kid's movie. Mm-hmm. It's it's actually a pretty deep movie. And I'm like, whoever brought their kids to this movie is probably wanting their money back because this is not a kid's <laughs> show. And the kids were either straight yeah. up traumatized or bored yeah. to tears, one or the other, because it was. Yeah. Yeah. It was just such a. Wow. But yeah, the, at least, you know, and that was Pixar, I think. Is, doesn't Pixar do Lightyear mm-hmm. and the Lightyear suit? Yeah, so they, they had the clear so. up there. So that was that was kind of fun to see. I was happy to see that. I was surprised. Like, yeah. whoa, I had to back up and rewind it. I'm like, yep. Yes. I'm hoping that we're still going to continue to see good queer rep because yes. it's, you know, there has been some really good, like, stuff out of Netflix has done some. Amazon Prime has done some, Showtime has done some, like there's been some really incredible stuff that's been coming and I'm hoping that they're going to continue to produce it, including and especially in the face of some of the backlash that's happening against the media. Because as like, as there is more openly hostile and yet accepted rhetoric against us, Um, And in some states, you know, where there is a push for, you know, you can't say gay and you have to out kids in schools and whatever, like, we need this media. And I'm hopeful that it'll continue to get produced. And that also means we all need to show up. Right. And especially for the stuff we love, we need to make sure we're rating it, we're talking about it, we're telling a friend, Mm -hmm. reviewing it, all of those things. Agreed. So, Chris, what have you been reading or watching this week? Well, I am heavily into edits because I'm trying to get things done before I go to Clexicon. So mm-hmm. I have only uh, been watching a little bit of TV and I am still watching Alone Frozen. But hear me out. I think a woman's going to win. And here's why I say that. Because, you know, I told you before, there was like six contestants, three three male, three female. Mm-hmm. And 
one male is already gone. One is on the cusp of leaving. Like they're wimping out after okay. like five days. Of course, you know, I'd wimp out after one. So I, I can't be too judgmental. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I would wimp out on the tarmac. Right. So You'd be like, take me home. I'm not even, don't even make me get Goodbye. in the helicopter. I'm out. Can we just... Can we just go to a hotel and like get a nice meal? <laughs> would right. be my question. Exactly. So, and then guess what? I just found out this weekend. Glow what? up, new season. Oh, Ding right. Dong. I'm so Ding excited. Dong, darling. I know. I so want to watch it, and I was going to watch it this weekend, and then I remembered we were recording a podcast, and so instead, <laughs> I watched the series that you are recommending yes. today <laughs> we did homework but... we did homework that's what we did so yeah so that's uh that i'm about halfway done with glow up and i absolutely love it because you know i'm an i am absolutely in awe what people can do with makeup you know any sort of oh. artistry especially yes. like painting and drawing mm-hmm. and being a makeup artist that is is amazing to me i can't even like i can barely put on yes. mascara i would not know how to how to blend colors or anything like that but to watch the show it's just so much fun i'm just in awe really truly Mm -hmm. these people are incredible and so and every every week is a different assignment and you get to see like three different assignments that all three uh, that all the contestants have every week or at least every episode so you're getting a lot of content in a short amount of time which is great for me Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so so that that has been that has kept me pretty busy and i've been cleaning and doing stuff like that what about you? What have you been reading or watching? Okay, so I actually have a tie-in to Glow Up, although I have not started watching it yet. This past, the the most recent episode of Drag Race Down Under had the episode of the Snatch Game. Have I talked to you? I've talked to you about Snatch Game before, right? Like right. it's the, yeah, it's the celebrity <laughs> impersonation challenge where they're basically playing match game, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a comedy challenge. And one of the queens was Val Garland from Glow Up. <laughs> yes. Unfortunately, Ding dong. she wasn't very good at it. And oh. so she had to lip sync for her life. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, also, he, here's a weird thing. It wasn't until the last time she got something to say, got to say something in the challenge that she said, ding dong. Why wouldn't you be starting with ding dong if you're Val Garland? Right. You should. You should be saying nothing ding, but ding dong, dong or ding darling. dong darling. Yeah, right. exactly. That's all you should be saying. <laughs> so, yes, I am watching. I was about to say all the drag races. That's not quite true. There's so there is so much drag race on right now. And I fucking love it. The thing that's funny <laughs> is I know a lot of people that complain. They say there's too much drag race. There's too many to be able to follow. And I just think like. Again, exactly what I was saying before. We should be grateful right. for the queer content. We should sure. be thrilled. We should be celebrating. And just watch the ones you want to watch. You don't have to watch every single one. So I'm still watching Canada. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, my favorite, the one that I, I thought she was going to win, ended up getting kicked off. Actually, because of the Snatch Game last week, mm-hmm. she was a French-Canadian queen. And it just did not mm-hmm. work out for her. But go look up Lady Boom Boom if you're into drag at all. Holy shit, she is incredibly talented and so beautiful. So I wish her well and hope they find ways to bring her back to do something anywhere. That would be amazing. So yeah, I'm still watching Canada's Drag Race. Still watching Drag Race Australia. Drag Race Philippines has started. I am not watching that yet. But I did start watching. And so for people who are generally not into Drag Race but do like competition shows, you might like Secret Celebrity Drag Race. 
because they're doing it like the masked singer style. Mm-hmm. That sounds awesome. And I wasn't sure how it was going to go, but actually I think it's working pretty well. They have eight celebrities and they are teamed up with drag coaches. So the drag queens, Jujubee, Brooklyn Heights, and Monet Exchange. And each episode, they have to do a drag performance. So they're doing a lip sync to a song. Then they're kind of judged. And the, the bottom, you know, the one queen gets to be the, the best one of the week. And then the two bottom queens have to lip sync and the worst one gets kicked off. Kind of like a regular episode. But we don't know who they are until they get kicked off. And then they reveal who they are. And so you can kind of guess there's some that are, are pretty obvious. Like one of them is definitely like I would be willing to bet $100 that one of them is Tom from the original Queer Eye cast because he has such a distinctive voice. He has a fairly distinctive haircut. So even though you're seeing them prepare like from the back, they have footage like from the back of the person preparing. I'm pretty sure he's one of them, but he hasn't been kicked off yet. And it's fun. And the thing that I think is really cool is that they're competing for a chance for the charity of their choice to win $100,000. Nice. That's really Which is cool. just an incredible amount. And even right. as they're kicked off one by one, each celebrity's charity receives $5,000. Nice. So I kind of love that, like, yes, it's a spectacle. And yes, I'm sure it's still making, you know, VH1 or whoever it is a whole bunch of money. But I love that, you know, 12 really great or 10, wait, eight, I can math, eight really great charities <laughs> are getting support out of this. So that's, I'm still on all the drag races as I will continue to be forever. I've been listening to Anderson Cooper's book, Vanderbilt. Mm. Have you heard of this? No. So his mother was Gloria Vanderbilt. Mm -hmm. And in the introduction, he talks about how they always distance themselves from the Vanderbilts. His mother always made it clear there is no pot of money that's waiting for you. Like all that, all that money is gone. You need to make your own way. And so he's like, no, I'm a Cooper of the Mississippi Coopers. And the, but when she died in 2019, I guess he had this urge to kind of like dig in and say, like, where am I from? Who were my people? What were they about? And so it's about the whole Vanderbilt dynasty going back to that first one, the Commodore, the guy who started this insane amount of wealth. At one point, this is the, the one fact that I was like, well, that's interesting. At one point, he had more money than the U.S. Treasury. Oh, my God. And he owned one out of every $20 in the United States. Wow. And, like, it's good. It's really good. I'm more than halfway through. It hasn't gotten to his mother's generation yet. I'm just at the part where one of the, whoever was the head of the family at that point actually went down on the Lusitania. Oh, wow. I know. I know. I didn't know any of this stuff. And it's like, on the one hand, hearing about what these people did and how much money they had and how it was squandered is disgusting. It's so gross. And on the other hand, it's so fascinating and I cannot look away. <laughs> so I just continue listening to this book and he reads it. It's really good. So if you're oh, interested cool. in that kind of thing at all, I definitely recommend it. I it's, like dynasties. I like to, yeah. to, to know how people got to where they are. Because I always say, what do these people yes. do? Like, if you see all the rich and yes. famous and- or even like the people who live in my town that have massive houses and yes. really expensive cars. And I'm just like, where did I go wrong? What are these people doing? Like, <laughs> or what, what did you do I'm... right? Because there's usually something wrong with these people. There's no such thing <laughs> I guess as an I ethical sh- billionaire, Chris. <laughs> right. 
All right. Um, that is my goal. How about that? That will be my oh, goal right? to become an ethical billionaire, the first one. I feel like Mark Cuban might be the closest thing to one because of that. Have you heard about that that service that he's created where I Americans love it. Can- the drug. Yes, yes. I've been on there checking all my drugs. Like I literally have. I think that's fantastic. I tell yeah. my parents about it. Yeah. Good for Mark. Good for him. Yeah. He's the, I like he's, him on Shark Tank. I don't think I've seen that, but now I'm kind of more inclined to learn more about him because I think that's such a cool thing to do. Like, it's a really tangible way for a billionaire to, like, solve a problem instead of like, hey, right. I'm going to have this dildo-shaped rocket go up into space. And it's like, thanks for nothing, <laughs> you fucker. Right. <laughs> like, what? Thanks for blowing millions oh. and millions of dollars oh. when people could have used it. So, yeah. I know. I, I, I heard about it. I looked maybe like a month ago or so when I first heard mm-hmm. about it. And so they're adding more and more drugs and generic drugs as well. Good. Uh, like every day. So, of course, I'm checking because my drugs yeah. are pretty expensive. So that's the thing. For people that don't know about it, if you're in the United States, Mark Cuban has created the service that I cannot remember the name of. But if you look up like Mark Cuban generic drugs, you'll find what you yeah. need. And it's a site that any American can go to. They can buy, there's a ton of uh, pharmaceuticals that are on there and it's all sold at cost. So whatever they get it for from the pharmaceutical companies, they're selling it the same amount. You're not getting those insane markups if you go through any other pharmacies. So for people who maybe don't have amazing coverage, this could be something that can make a really big difference for you. So I looked and my parents, my mom gave me one of her drugs and I typed it in and it's exactly the amount that she pays through Medicare. Mm. So, so it's going to be, so that's good for like somebody like Mm -hmm. me, if I was on the same drug that my mom was or is, then I would have it at a very low price. Yeah. So I highly recommend if you do have prescription drugs to check it out because you can save a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. Good call. And then the last thing I've been watching lately, and I say been watching, I sh- I started yesterday. It's a documentary and I didn't finish it because it's two hours and 20 minutes. However, if you're into music documentaries, mm-hmm. and my friend Chris, I know you are. <laughs> have you seen the Sparks Brothers yet? I haven't. No. Do you know the band Sparks? No. Wait, is that from the uh, Jane from the go-go's is she a part of it what am i thinking of jane weedlin is in the documentary actually yeah so there's something that that registers with me she might have done a song with them or something i don't know yet so it's a documentary called the sparks brothers because the two front people for sparks they actually are brothers and there's so much about them i didn't know and i didn't recognize like, I'm starting to recognize some of the songs, but it, they're kind of one of those, like, if you know, you know, sort of bands. And they influenced everyone else. It's like, okay, you just did, like, a big arm gesture. What does this mean? <laughs> <laughs> I was right. Cool place. Oh, did she? Yeah, she it's, it's, I remember it from way back when. Yes. Uh, and it's, and she, it just says Sparks. It's as featured artist as Jane. Yeah. So. From, released in 1983. How do I remember that? Well, so they're, I think they started coming out with albums in the 60s. No, the 70s. But I think it was like the very early 70s. That's the thing that I love about Spotify. Also, yeah, like, can we talk about how wonderful it is living in the age of Spotify where you're like, I don't know, I'd kind of like to know about this band. And then you just can find everything because growing up in high school, if it wasn't on the radio, it did not exist to me. So their first 
album came out in 1971. They didn't even have that name. They had a different, uh, I think their band name was Half Nelson for their first two albums. And then they came out as Sparks with the album Kimono My House in 1974. And it's just kind of the, I've been going and listening to some of it. I think my favorite song by them is called The Number One Song in Heaven, which came out the year I was born. It came out in 1979. There's just something so fucking cool about it. And I can see why they influenced so many like i think they really influenced new wave people especially yeah um so you see like some of the people from like depeche mode and the guy from sonic youth and uh duran wait maybe not depeche mode duran duran was definitely like the two guys from there were definitely in the documentary like there's so many musicians in this documentary and the thing i love about music documentaries like that is when you see like oh those are musicians musicians like they're the ones that were influencing everyone else and so kind of in a way like reminds me of almost like velvet underground and their first album and how like their first album didn't sell super great but everyone it sold to went out and started a band yeah (laughs) yeah i remember you you were talking about yeah so i think it's kind of like that and like they're so quirky and the questions at the time were like why did the one because like the one brother had like this long kind of shaggy hair and he's the one that does the singing and the other one is always on the keyboard and he had like shorter slick back hair but he always had a hitler mustache and that was a part of the like why is this what is happening and they took off in the uk they didn't take off in the u.s so there's this really fun thing at the beginning where it's everybody's like, wait, they're not a British band. They're not a British band. They're not a what? Like, because <laughs> somebody figured out early on, oh, they don't really get you in the US, but we're pretty sure they're going to get you over here. And they played on top of the pops or whatever that show was. And that it was just like game over from there. So I, it would be an official recommendation, except it is not a queer documentary. As far as I know. <laughs> More than an hour and a half into it. So okay, if you like music documentaries, I really think everybody should check that one out. I love them. Yeah. And now on to our official recommendations. We did something different this week in that we each made sure to watch both recommendations. <laughs> That's right. So Chris, what's yes. yours? Well, you pretty much can't go on social media without seeing like a ton of tweets and posts about the series on Amazon Prime, A League of Their Own. Yay! Woo! Yes. So if by chance you haven't heard or seen anything about it, I'll read you the synopsis. In 1943, Carson Shaw travels to Chicago to try out for the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. There she meets other women who also dream of playing pro baseball and make connections that open up her world. Rockford local Max Chapman also comes to the tryouts, but is turned away. With the support of her best friend, Clance, she must forge a new path to pursue her dream. So this is a new spinoff, kind of, uh, from the movie, from Penny Marshall's movie, A League of Their Own, from way back when, when we were babies, like 1992. And it's a series that goes deep into the personal lives of some of the players. Mm -hmm. So it was co-written, Abby Jacobson... She co-created the series with Will Graham. And she plays Carson and I, Shaw. I, right. And she plays one of the main characters, mm-hmm. the catcher, Carson Shaw. And I'm like, I know her face. I know her face. How do I know her face? Broad City? Well, no. I went to IMDb because that's where we all go. Mm-hmm. 
And she played Gloria Steinem on Drunk History. And you know I fucking love Drunk History. So I'm but like, isn't she, that's but, where I see But she's her. one of the leads from Broad City, isn't she? I haven't seen it yet, but I'm know. going to now because I, I loved either. her in this. Oh my God, you're uh, so funny. I, just, I love that Drunk History is the thing. Not the thing she's actually famous right. for. I know. But I was just trying to think of like, where have I seen her before? Yeah. Because, I mean, I watch a lot of TV, but I have, I've completely missed, she was not on my radar other than her face. Mm-hmm. And so she played Gloria Steinem. Of course she did. Wonderful. Like it was a six minute clip and I absolutely loved it. I absolutely loved it. So I watched that again today just because I thought it was kind of fun. Cause I'm like, where do I know her from? Now I gotta see if I so, can watch, yeah. can I watch Drunk History in Canada? I don't know. We're about to Check find out. out. See if you can. Yeah. Cause it's HBO, isn't it? Oh yes. No, it's like history or something like that. It's like some. Oh, it's Comedy Central. History. Regardless, I can watch Comedy, it. Yeah. I remember back when it was a YouTube show. So like, <laughs> so good for these I, people. I love it. Like they have. It's funny because the host and some random actor actress, mm-hmm. they have a conversation about whatever. So then the person who the the quasi famous person who is telling the story or the history is drunk mm-hmm. and so their words sometimes retelling the story sometimes so, no I, no i was time. going to say they're sometimes very drunk like i've seen episodes where oh that person God. is Fall hammered drunk. <laughs> yeah yes big time yeah. so so then then you have actors who actually act out what yes. the person who was drunk act them out so she was acting out gloria stein i gotta I go mean, find she was that one. being oh my god it's hilarious so my still my all time favorite is Harriet Tubman. Oh yeah, that's a classic. That is my all time yes. favorite, like hands down. That yes, Drunk History. If you haven't seen it, watch that one. Is yeah. funny as fuck. I love yeah. it. But A League of Their Own. <laughs> yeah, back to A League of Their Own. What did you think? I don't even know how to start. I love this because of all the queer representation. I have an idea of how to start because I think the first for people who haven't watched it, they're probably going to say, well, how much of it is like the movie? And I feel like for me, this was not a remake of the movie. It was no. going back to the same source material and starting again. Right. right. And this time actually being because with the queer rep, and there's so, so, so much queer rep and it's so fucking beautiful. It is. But to me, that's what makes it accurate to the times like there were so many lesbians in that baseball right. league and there were no <laughs> lesbians apparently according to the i mean i'm sorry the gina davis movie is wonderful i'm not saying it's it not is. wonderful it is and it, this nobody show, was gay right right and even rosie o'donnell in that was supposed to not be gay and it's like right. fuck off that's not how that was and if anybody follows Lynn Ames, you'll know, like one of her best friends in the world was the best pitcher. I think, I think she said Dot was the best pitcher, right? Softball, I thought. I thought Dot was softball. Am I wrong? I don't know. This is why we need to talk to Lynn Ames. I am so desperate to have a conversation with Lynn about this show, but like, because it still applies softball baseball whatever it's still gonna apply because it was still in the 40s yeah still during the war yeah yes and you know dot was married for many years to a woman there are many there were many many players Mm -hmm. in the league who were gay and just the fact that there was this purposeful cultural way of ignoring and hiding and whitewashing and like just getting it all out and the thing that i loved is how 
the show brought it front and center in a number of ways. Like there were so many queer people in it. It's almost hard to know which the which ones I'm most excited about because I'm like, I don't know where to start. I'm sorry, Jess, the Canadian. I love her. (laughs) I love her so much. And like getting that good butch representation and the reminder that like butch in the 1940s couldn't be what butch in the 1990s and 2000s could be. So yeah, there still might be long hair and sometimes having to wear skirts, but like it's still there as an identity and it's so clear. And I loved that there was a trans man in it who is played by a trans man. And a reminder again, like there's this, the dialogue about trans people right now is so gross and so harsh and talking as though trans people are new. And the show is very much like a fuck you. We're not new because no trans people are absolutely not new. So I think like those were the things that I really liked and appreciated. And even bringing in like little, little tidbits of history because i think the way they talked wasn't particularly historical like i felt like the speech patterns and all that was much more contemporary to to where we are now and that's fine but still bringing in these little details so to talk about one means a little bit of a spoiler but i would spoil it anyway as um as a content warning because the content warnings i will say are period appropriate homophobia period appropriate racism I would say more in that like casual kind of like, oh, nice white ladies not looking at the black woman so they can just pretend she doesn't exist like that kind of thing. Right. But the one piece of violence. So there's uh, no no gays get buried in this. Right. There is no sexual assault in this. Those are the two things that I needed to know. I needed someone to spoil that for me. And I'm sure there are listeners who also need to know about that. Um, But there is a raid the police raid the local underground gay bar and that you know does get violent and one of the players gets caught up in that and we find out the next day that the uh, chaperone for the team pays to keep her name out of the papers right because that's what they did to queers that's what they they did which was just like i forgot until that moment happened and like i love that they're bringing it all back mm-hmm. like we need to know right so good so good who was your favorite boy that's tough because i mean the two main characters mm-hmm. i like okay let me put it this way the two main yeah. characters the two characters that have main storylines there we go yes because they're not really the two uh, whatever carson shaw yeah yep. the catcher yep I loved the journey. Oh, so good. Like her journey was amazing. Yes. And it was funny because I was like, okay, so why, why did she, because I asked myself, why did she join the league? Like what was mm-hmm. her reasoning? Because I had, I had binge watched it probably when it first came out. So it's yeah. been a couple of days. I've had several sleeps. So, yeah. and I couldn't remember. And then I rewatched the first episode again, just to kind of as a refresher, as I was typing notes. Mm-hmm. And it was because her husband was coming home from the war. Yep. And so she packed her bags and her bat and she got the hell out of there. Yeah. And so so she knew subconsciously that even Something then she was different. Be before she knew, yeah, what was going on with yes. her. 
Like she knew that there was something different and she needed to get out of that environment. It wasn't, it wasn't her happy place. Mm -hmm. So, and she loved baseball and she knew about the tryouts and I think she got, she got an invitation. It sounded like it. Yeah. It sounded like she got an invitation. And so she went from like, Greta and Joe nicknamed her like the farm girl. Yeah, even though she's she, a farm girl. And she spends a little series saying, know, I'm, like, not, I'm not, on a farm. I've never been on a farm. <laughs> right. But yeah. she was so wholesome yes. and Midwestern and just, it's kind of like, you yes. know, I mean, she just, it was just a great storyline for her to watch her go from this like meek, I'm married, that is who I am yes. person to, hey, I'm really Carson Shaw, catcher for the professional baseball, women's baseball yes. team. And just to see her journey of actually, you know, her confidence level and coming out and helping the team, you know, trying to lead them when the coach disappears. Mm-hmm. I think he gets a job somewhere else. Is, is that what happens? Yeah, he he gets recruited. Oh, and I love that it was Nick Offerman. He was so he was really good. But I also yeah, liked, I liked him because I feel like that's one of the. I could sort of map like certain characters between the 1990 whatever film version and this version. There were some that were very visually the same. And I think because also some of them were were based off of real ball players. but that I liked that like, yes, okay, there's this male coach here. And I was like, oh, okay, so that's the Tom Hanks. But then he does leave. And then what? And then the like having Shaw step up to become the coach and have that be part of her journey and coming into her power. But also, even with that, because I was like, oh, he's not going to say there's no crying in baseball. But then, like, but then, <laughs> but then there's a perfect way for for that to happen later on. Like, I was just mm, wonderful. That was me doing was a perfect. kiss sound. Because, right. like, <laughs> I felt like it kept a lot of the spirit and it captured some of right. those really absolutely key things. And then the rest was like, no, fuck it. We're going to tell the story that the world needs right now based on the people and situations that were happening back then. Right. So smart. My second favorite character was Max. Oh, I mean, Max. Fuck, that journey. Yes. That, that, her journey is amazing. Yes. And not always good. I mean, how tenacious was she? She yes. was going to play baseball, whether I somehow, some way she was going to play. And so she gave up so much yeah. just to play. She had so much love for the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's incredible. So I really enjoyed Max's journey. Uh, and then coming both a emotional journey, a physical journey, yes. and also just like a who I am journey. Yes. So I think the thing that surprised me the most about it, because I went into it hearing like, it's so gay. There's so much queer representation. This is amazing. And there's a queer couple with a trans man. And I was really excited about all of that. And then it turns out that the relationships that had me the most excited were Max and her best friend Clance, which was so beautiful. They were great together. I, yeah. They, great chemistry. Oh, some of the best friendship chemistry I've ever seen. And that mm-hmm. kind of great reminder that Sometimes your best friend is your family or actually your best friend should be your family. Like that's kind of how that goes. Like they are each other's people. But also, so here was the part that especially surprised me because I was like, look at all these queer couples. This is amazing. And then it's like, no, my favorite couple is actually Clance and Guy. Like, yeah, they're a straight couple, but Guy is Uh. so sweet. And he's a total wife guy. (laughs) Like he's a total wife guy. (laughs) And, And he... I mean, even the fact that he understands the nature of Clance and Max's friendship and how close they are. And he's like, that's your thing. That's part of the price of admission. I support it. I love you both. 
you're both my family. This is a, I was just like, guy, you're wonderful. I, he has to come back. Okay. From the war in season two, I'm not going to be okay. So, right. Like, right. Given everything that happens too, he has, he to come has back. to come back. I love him. Yeah, I think I he's one of, I think he might be one of my favorite straight men characters on TV ever. Just because he's such a good guy. And his name's Guy. He's also kind of uh, <laughs> such a good guy. Right? And he's so, like, innocently yes. bad at, like, yes. things. Yeah. Like, he doesn't realize what he's saying. And he's just like, yeah. you know, I mean, what does it matter? You're just a girl. Yeah. You know, you're just a woman. Like, and he doesn't realize, like, like, like Max is livid at him. Yeah. And he's just like, murk, 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 murk. Yes. He has no clue. Yes. But yeah, I um I liked Max's storyline. You know, she she like to even get looked at. Like mm-hmm. she is like, I'm the best pitcher ever. Mm-hmm. Um, like I need to play on a team. And of course, like the uh the All American Women's Baseball League wouldn't allow a black player to be on the team. Well, I kept wondering, well, when's she gonna join the team? Yes. What's going to happen? How is she going to end up on there? And I knew, so I knew that the bar raid was coming and I wondered, okay, is it maybe, oh no, I hope Lupe doesn't end up like in jail or in, cause Lupe is the, the rocker peach is their pitcher. And she's again, another one was like very obviously butch. Yeah. And I thought, I thought something was going to happen and Max would right, up, but, but yeah, no, no. So, so then Max has to, what she does is she has, like her mom has uh, put her name on the shop, Ugh, on her uh, beauty I shop, know. and she was kind of like, "This is this is what we've done as a family, and I'm going to bequeath it to you yes. that you're going to have this whole store and you're going to be set up." And Max is like, "Meh, I really want to play baseball," yeah. and goes behind her mother's back and actually works at the factory the the screw factory mm-hmm. so that she could play on their baseball team and is just to prove that she could play and is the first black woman hired there to right. do so she she used max yes. max was the name she used on the application yes. and so by the time they she got in there and they're like oh you're a woman she's like put me to work and the guy's like i don't care okay you know and she did a great job so there was a lot going on even just in that scene like we're not going to let women work here Ugh. but Turns out that, you know, we helped the war efforts more than anybody could have known. Mm -hmm. It's so good. It's so wonderful. And unfortunately, when it first came out, it was the target of review bombing from a bunch of homophobes who wrote just like hateful reviews and clearly hadn't really watched it or understood what it was doing. Or even if they watched it, they were giving it one star based on the fact that it had a bunch of queer people in it. So this is where I'm going to say. If you watched it, if you loved it, if you believe in it, please, please review it because I want another season. I want to know what happens. And I think we all need to do our part. We need to know. I will say this. So I saw that Dana Piccoli tweeted. Mm -hmm. She tweeted. She's like, she mentioned that this was happening. The one star reviews were happening. Mm -hmm. And at the time it was, it had 104 reviews at the time when she posted it. And so as of like earlier today, 5,239 reviews on Amazon to bump it up because so many of these quote unquote Christians mm-hmm. were saying, oh, woke liberals, they're going to love this. And this goes against all the things we believe in. 
So they rated it with one star. Yeah. So like at the time, the it was only like two point whatever on the review scale, mm-hmm. but now it's way up there in, in the f- upper fours. Yeah. Because a lot of people, including myself, when I saw that, I was like, oh, hell, I hadn't finished it, but I'm still going to, you know, help out and give a review. And so I did. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, reviews do make a difference. They really do. Yeah. Honestly, like I love, I know this is your recommendation, but I also highly recommend it. I don't rewatch TV shows at this point in my life, but I am going to watch this one again, especially now that I know, like, I think I... I took a little bit of time watching the first few episodes because I was like, oh, no, I feel uncomfortable that something terrible is going to happen to this character that I love because she is either queer or black or both. And now that I know where those moments are, like, I'm going to watch this multiple times. It's so good. Oh, also, like, I kind of had a crush on Darcy Carden before who plays Greta Gill, but oh, my God. Mm -hmm. I mean, now it's a very big crush. I, you know, I liked her. Mm -hmm. But I, w- I didn't fall in love with her. I-, I thought it was great that she could see what was happening to Carson. Mm-hmm. And she wasn't like just, she kind of helped draw that out. But she has her own journey too. She does have her own journey. And that's going to be interesting to see how and why she ended up there. But I was going to say uh, two more things yes. before we get to your official recommendation. Oh, yes. The music. I loved the music. So not only was a big band, mm-hmm. but then you'd have like Janis Joplin had a song in there. Yeah. And uh, The Runaways and Joan Jett. Oh, yeah. And so it was one of those things where like I loved it in the Dickinson series yes. where they had modern day music that was also in, in you know, the times yeah. as well as music yeah. from the times in, in the series. So I love the music of the soundtrack of the series. Mm-hmm. And then this is something I found out when I was uh, getting the uh, synopsis. Mm-hmm. I, I was printing off the synopsis. I, I saw this and I, I was going to share this. Maybelle Blair oh, yeah. played for the All-American yeah. Girls Professional Baseball League and served as a consultant on the show. At 95 years old, she decided to come out publicly as a lesbian during a panel for the series at the Tribeca Film Festival earlier this year. I mean, fuck, I want to cry. Right? That was just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Okay, so that we both recommend yes. it, highly recommend it. Go watch it. So that was my official, yeah, that was my official recommendation. What, Tara, is your official recommendation this week? Okay, so my official recommendation is, like I said, gay rom-com. It's on Hulu, which means in Canada, it's on Disney+, and it is called Fire Island, and it's about... F-I-R-E. Yes. Yeah, yeah, like the actual Fire Island in New York. Right. It's yeah, not it's this is not Fire Festival. <laughs> it's right. <laughs> it's Fire Island. And so the idea is it's this group of friends. They go every year for a week-long summer vacation on Fire Island and they stay with they, so they all used to work together like a decade before at this brunch place and <laughs> So one of the people that also worked there was Margaret Cho. And she, you know, through some sort of a settlement, was able to buy this house on Fire Island. So they all go stay with her every year. She's older than them. So she's kind of like their mom. And the thing that I love about this is that it is a contemporary queer retelling of Pride and Prejudice. And it fucking works. It works so well. It's like a perfect, (laughs) perfect perfect for me it hits all the right beats it does all the right things and it adapts it perfectly for where we are today so yes margaret cho is like mrs bennett joel kim booster plays noah who is like lizzie bennett 
Bowen Yang plays his best friend, Howie, who is supposed to be like Jane. And so, you know, they go there and Noah says to Howie, like, come on, man, why don't you ever get laid on Fire Island? You know what? I'm not getting laid until you get laid. This is how it's going to be. (laughs) And of course, right away, Howie finds this really sweet guy named Charlie, who's a pediatrician, and they kind of fall for each other. But of course, and that means, of course, that Charlie is like Mr. Bingley and his best friends are shitheads like Mr. Bingley's sisters in the book. Um, and one of them is Will, who is this like uptight lawyer dude. Oh, my God. Oh, big time. So good. Yeah. So good. Very unapproachable. The perfect Mr. Darcy. Like he was a perfect <laughs> Mr. Darcy. And so Noah and Will do a lot of clashing until they sort of start to realize, oh, no, perhaps there's an attraction here. But the whole thing is that Aaron, so Margaret Cho's character, is like, guys, I'm really crap with money, so I'm going to have to sell the house. And there's this big like, oh, no, this is our last year here doing this. We need to enjoy it. And it all goes from there. And like, honestly, I had so much fun with this movie. I legitimately laughed out loud a bunch of times. Oh, yeah. I think I feel like there's a lot of romantic comedies where you watch it. You're like, that's cute. I smiled, but perhaps I didn't laugh. But like, no, I laughed a lot of times at this because it's so funny. I felt like the characters were really well realized. I knew who each of them were. And even though I could draw for almost all of them, there were two, there were the two friends, Luke and Keegan, who were like the two, like especially party friends where I was like, I mean, one of you is Kitty and one of you is Lydia. And I don't know which one is which. And frankly, if Lydia had not eloped to Gretna Green with Wickham, I wouldn't know which one of the two of them anything was at any point either in the original. But it just, I thought it was a really, really smart retelling in a really interesting way of translating, you know, like the Bennets have kind of run out of money because the dad did a crap job of spending versus in this, it's like, yeah, okay, you don't need a dad. It's Margaret Cho. She made some bad investments. Of course she's going to sell the house. That just makes sense. And like the snobbery and class differences, very similar in both. Like it still it still works. It's still smart. I thought it also got into some other issues in a way that was really interesting and good, like talking about not just classism in the queer community but also racism in the queer community yeah and how difficult it was for noah and howie dating at times because they're both asian and how there are some you know white queer guys that have that motto of no fats no femmes no asians and i just i don't know i thought that was really um i thought that was really clever and where it all ended felt perfect Given that they were only right. there for a week. For like a week. Yeah. What did you think of it? I thought it flowed so well. Mm-hmm. Like, I have a problem. Like, I'll watch a lot of queer stuff. I'll start it. Yeah. But if the cinematography is just shit, I can't get into it. I can't get past the the whatever. Mm-hmm. But this was so smooth. Yes. And it was, it was just really well done. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I laughed out loud several times, and, and I just, I fucking hated Will at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I hated him. I'm like, oh, my God, this guy's a tool. He's unobtainable. Yes. You know, it's just, I, I was just like, you got to be kidding and me. And yet, 
And yet, look what happened. How did you like him by the end? Oh, by the end, I thought he was fine. Yeah. I really did. I liked him by the end. Yeah. Uh, because then we found out things, you know, why he was the way that he was. Yes. And I I kind of want to go to Fire Island. I'm not going to lie. I know. Kinda interesting. I reached out to one of my coworkers, I think about three minutes after the film ended, I texted him. <laughs> because one of my coworkers went with his partner to Fire Island, I think it was last month. And I was like, oh, my God, did you see this movie? And he texted me back today. And he was like, yeah. And especially given that I was just there, he he just said, like, the film captures the magic of Fire Island so perfectly. And that made yeah. me so happy because there's times where you watch a movie about a place and then you hear that it's like, oh, no, this place is not like this at all. And that's not the case. Like, this is really. And he sent back a photo of um, I don't know who any of these people are. How would I? I only know my coworker. But it's like a bunch of people bunch lined of people. up on the on the dock watching at sunset. And there's this really lovely scene on the exact same dock at sunset. Where they count down yes. to the sunset. <laughs> and they do dorky yes. things. Yeah. It's great. It was so cute. I think the other thing that I liked too, because it talks, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, talk about sex and getting laid. And there's times where you see kind of in the background people having sex. But right. I really appreciated that prep was a big part of, like, it was prominent as kind of like a perhaps, you know, don't fuck somebody who isn't on it. Like this, just kind of an awareness of there are things that you need to do for your health if you're going to go out to Fire Island and, and go grab some anonymous sex. So I think that's, because I think I've said this before on the podcast, too, just about romance. Like, I would love for queer romance to have more safer sex practices and being more aware. And I thought that was a really nice key thing to pull in that it didn't take anything away. It didn't like because I feel like sometimes the argument against it is, well, but it's a romance and then it takes away from the the passion and the blah, blah. And it's like, it doesn't yeah. have to. And in this case, like, I felt like. It didn't take away from anything. I thought it added something. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I write romance, so I mean, and I, I've had, I've had safe sex practices in a couple of my mm -hmm. books. Only a couple, though. Yeah. So I hear what you're saying. Yeah. I just <laughs> want to see more of them because there's a lot of baby queers where that's where they're, you know, right. same as baby straights, where they're learning from reading romance. So. Yeah. But yeah, I love this. And actually, Neil loved it, too. We watched it together. And we kind of That's both agreed, amazing. like, it's a perfect, it's a perfect rom-com. It should go in the rom-com canon because it's just so believably, it, it, sorry, it's so, like, the romances itself are believable. The characters are well-drawn. Right, right. It's legitimately hilarious. So yeah, if you haven't seen that, I completely recommend it. It's well worth the time. I agree. I agree. That is all for this episode. Thank you so much for joining us. If you've enjoyed the show, please make sure you subscribe where you listen to podcasts. So you can get notified with the new episode in two weeks. If you have a friend who you think would like the show, please tell them all about it. And like I said, if you want to support us, we have a link to Kofi in our show notes. That's all I'm going to say about oh. that. It's your turn to say the rest <laughs> of it. <laughs> ah, okay. Sorry. Hey, I'm like, hey muscle relaxers. Um, yes kicking in or if you want to connect with us on your favorite social media sites just search for clearly recommended on instagram twitter and facebook or email us at podcast at clearly recommended.com goodbye everyone bye
So, She-Hulk. 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 That's what we watched. We watched the first episode of She-Hulk. We watched it last night, too. It was fun. It was fun. It was fun. Um, It was kind of a lot of fighting between her and Mark Ruffalo and her trying to figure out things. That was what Neil said. He was like, I don't know. Do cousins usually beat each other up like that? (laughs) And I was like... (laughs) Maybe when they're, like, little, they do, but... Yeah, I was just kind of, that was the part I didn't like. I love the whole concept, a lawyer, mm-hmm. she goes into the, 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 when, when that, whoever it was, she rescues at the very, whatever, you know, when that person comes in and. It was just, well, like, Jamila Jamil plays it, plays that villain. So I'm curious to see oh, if okay. she does any, I'm curious to see if it goes into any kind of depth with that character. Like, is she the villain for the whole season or is she just like a one episode monster? Ooh, maybe they'll hook up. <gasps> Hook up. Ooh, maybe. Oh, God. Goodbye, everybody. This is. <laughs> I, hadn't, I hadn't stopped recording, but that would be the oh, perfect yeah, place. I, I have the to ro- accept it on my end. The robot lady? Yes. She has such a <laughs> sexy voice. Recording, recording in progress. In progress. <laughs> is that what it does? Every- the monotone voice. <laughs> Here I'm going. It's so sexy. <laughs> it's not sexy.